You are listening to From the Midwest to the Middle East, the latest on U.S. tax, Israeli economy, and lots of in-between. Interviewing Israeli and international experts. Chicago, Chicago. Welcome to our podcast. I am Philip Stein, president of Philip Stein & Associates. Hi, I'm very pleased to just post the American election to have Adam Fisher, who is a partner at Bessemer Venture Partners. Adam has been with, with the firm and works out of the Herzliya office. He focuses on investments in Israel and Europe. Uh, Adam covers several areas of, of investments at BVP, but is focused primarily on consumer Internet companies such as Wix, Saludo, Billgard, Fiverr, and his current portfolio. Uh, Adam has been in the venture capital world, uh, as I believe you can correct me, Adam, more than a decade, and I'm very pleased to have you here with me this early afternoon. Welcome. Thank you. Let me get right to it. Everyone is going to be talking about, certainly for the next uh, couple days, the elections. And now that we know that President Obama has been reelected, h- how, how do you view how that may affect uh, your industry, the venture capital industry? Well, you know, I don't think there's any, any kind of immediate effect uh, on venture investments or startup creation or even exits for that matter. Um, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear that there's going to be some rise in taxes on capital gains uh, going into next year. But I don't think it's going to be uh, substantial enough to, to affect uh, how venture capitalists and startups do their work. Um, you know, don't forget that venture capitalists do what they do because they enjoy First of all, working with entrepreneurs and, 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 and then having an impact on the world through those entrepreneurs. And only thirdly, because we make money. Uh, but it really isn't that order. Uh, it's, it's different from a lot of other investing because we're active, um, almost regardless of stage, you're active, you're, you're taking a piece of it. So I'm not really worried about that. Uh, what, what, what I think perhaps is a bit more of a concern with the election, although this would probably be the situation regardless of who was elected, is just the coming fiscal cliff. Um, you know, and the effect that that could have on the overall American economy, uh, on the IPO market, and potentially even on, on M&A, because I think a lot of companies will be nervous uh, to take any significant actions with their stock price, not, not knowing exactly what, how the market's going to react. So it will be an interesting couple months, and then probably the world will freeze over for a while around the beginning of the year, and we'll see what, what awaits us. But I don't see it having any, any unique effect on the venture business. Yeah, I mean, it's actually quite interesting. This is probably the first presidential election where venture capital industry was actually part of the debate in terms of Romney's uh, history, you know, and whether he, you know, took care of companies, shut down companies. Yeah, unfortunately, we're, the venture capital is lumped in with private equity. And while it is technically a form of private equity, as we are investing in equity and in private companies, it is a very, very different model. Uh, you know, venture capital is, is startup creation. It's, it's, it's growth financing. It always, it's almost never accompanied by debt. Uh, or any type of uh, kind of uh, efficiencies. Uh, you know, private equity, on the other hand, is, is usually a situation of, uh, of, of taking, taking companies private uh, from, the, from the public market, of uh, breaking up companies uh, that are, are undervalued by their, because, they're, because of their shoulder base. Um, and that, that requires a different kind of work. That's where the investors are looking for efficiencies. They usually, because they see those efficiencies, they usually have a lot of leverage 
and the result is very different. While investors make great returns, the impact on the company, the impact on the world uh, is a little bit different. Uh, so we are we were exposed a bit to that, and um, who knows? Maybe the the, the spotlight on on uh, the low tax rate of carried interest could affect venture capitalists, but I, I don't think it will happen overnight. Uh, you know that this topic came up uh, last year when, when Obama was. Uh, you know, in his first term, and uh, I think Congress voted it down. It, it didn't. Uh, I don't. Or actually, I'm not even sure it reached uh, that stage, but it was voted down very early. Right. It was a proposal. I, I know there's one senator who's still, which is interesting. He who gets a lot of money from Wall Street, uh, Senator Schumer from New York, still uh, holds it up. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. I think Obama had a close call, and I think his second term may be a lot different in terms of what he's trying yeah. to accomplish. So uh, let's let, let's hope for uh, not not too big jump in the in the tax rates coming up. All right, let, let me ask you this again, Adam. You're 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 still a young guy. Uh, you've been in the VC industry for many years. How have you seen things change? What I, I call the last decade, or or let's say from the dot com era to, to today. Yes, well, in fact, first started working venture capital in 1996 oh. when I was still an undergrad student. So this is we're coming on 15, 16 years, and I have seen a lot. Um, most of what I've seen is from the Israeli vantage point, but it's not entirely different from what happened in the U.S. Um, I'll ignore the bubble for a moment because that that's fairly obvious that that was stuck in the middle. And we both benefited and, and kind of lost a lot of time uh, from that bubble. But, but ignoring that, I think we see a few different things. Uh, one is that venture capital is much more mainstream. It's uh, on the tip of the tongue of every entrepreneur. It's much more accessible. That probably is a result of, uh, of really online media, that we were aware of companies that exist, how they were funded, who's funding them. And so venture capital is really uh, no longer a cottage industry. Uh, Related to entrepreneurs and how VCs fund companies, on the one hand, there are certain sectors where the cost of creating a business and developing a product and even getting revenues has gone down tremendously. So everything was software-related with Internet for consumers and mobile, because of open source, because of free offerings, because of new, new code, companies can create products and generate revenues with literally less than $10,000. Something that was never really possible before. Now that doesn't affect us directly. We don't fund deals like that, but it does mean that there are far more startups being created that may or may never raise venture capital. Mm. But it's just lowered that that kind of bar to, to entry, which is fantastic. Uh, on the other hand, in other sectors like semiconductors or even traditional enterprise software, actually the cost has gone up. It is much more expensive. Uh, to build successful companies uh, in those sectors, not only to, to develop the product, but also to take it to market and to scale. Um, there are many reasons for that as well. Uh, probably it's inflation, but you're just competing with much larger players um, that have assets and, and time and, and a customer base that's just on their side, and so you have to be prepared to go all the way. So in semiconductors, uh, what once cost perhaps $12 million, $10 million to develop a chip, now costs a minimum of 25, literally double. And that's made it unattractive in many, many ways uh, to entrepreneurs and venture capitalists. Um, the last thing, maybe, well, I'd also mention that the routes to market have changed uh, with online delivery, uh, advertising online. These didn't, didn't exist in the, you know, a decade ago. Or if it did, uh, it wasn't an efficient process, and you probably lost more money than you, than you gained from it. So that's, that's very new and interesting. 
And lastly, from a VC perspective, I think we've seen the emergence, or we are seeing the emergence of a true bulge bracket of VCs like Bessemer, like Excel, Sequoia, Benchmark, um, maybe a hand, I would say about 10, 15 funds of that size that can raise money whenever they want, that are global, that are multi-sector and multi-stage. Um, and then the emergence of a much smaller group of regional sector-specific funds, but very little in between. And for many years, you always had various sizes of VCs and various strategies, but we're seeing this kind of um, dichotomy. And this is actually analogous to what happened in the investment banking industry 30 years ago, uh, which we now take for granted that there are bulge bracket firms, everybody knows, and much smaller boutique firms that are usually focused on a sector or a region, and they work well together. But that's... Uh, you know, that's kind of the, the future for the next decade, uh, I have little doubt. Well, you know, I would say from also have been a participant uh, from afar a bit, but certainly an observer of your industry, certainly in Israel since you say 96, it would be just amazing to compare the experience, the amount of people that had experience back in 96 or 98 and today. I mean, you're, you guys have learned a lot. You're much more sophisticated. And, and that was really a, a very, very early stage for Israel. Oh, there's no question for Israel. You know, back in the 90s, we were, we were all still learning what we're doing. We were learning from each other, from our successes and from our mistakes. And even then, we, we knew very little. It, it takes... It easily takes 10 years to figure out if you're a good investor in, in venture capital. It takes a certain amount of time to see if you've got a good fund. So with only 20 years under the, you know, the belt of most Israeli funds, it's, it's, uh, it's still a very young industry, but it's very different. Entrepreneurs are more experienced, even employees. You know, startups have become uh, a career path to work in startups and small companies. Uh, and people understand the risks, uh, but they're, they're not afraid of it. So it's just, it's very different. Uh, you know, I remember back in the 90s, you, you couldn't start a company without the bulk of the, uh, of the development team coming from a big company like a Converse or an Amdocs or an ECI, maybe even an Intel. I don't know any startup in my portfolio, but, that I, but also most portfolios that where the bulk of the entrepreneurs come from one of those big Israeli stalwarts. Okay, I, I just a, a side note, when you, about, we talk about changes, I was drinking my coffee early this morning, uh, watching the ele- election results come in. Uh, one of these reporters who they, they just had been on for hours, they were obviously were looking for things to say, and one said the following, this marks a historic moment, there has never been this many tweets of a presidential election. So <laughs> I thought four years ago, I, I don't know even if anyone knew what Twitter was, uh, but, uh, you know, it's just the change. You were, we're, we see it at your industry, but we're seeing it everywhere. It's, uh, yeah, it is amazing how quickly things change. We take it for granted that, that, that Twitter's always been around um, right. or that any kind of, you know, that, our mobile, that we can look at what's going on on, on our mobile phone. Uh, it's, it's amazing what four years is. It's a... It's a you can, you can imagine what now will be four years from now, and I guarantee you there'll be something else that's not Twitter and not, not Facebook, and our job is to find out what that is before others do. Right. Excellent. All right. Again, as I said at the beginning, I, I, I've been following your industry and your career, and, and I know I'll bring to our listeners that you did have the opportunity to live in China at one point in your career. Uh, so let's just shift a little. Do you see a place for uh, Israeli high-tech companies in the Chinese market? I do, but I really only see it in niche areas where the product is sufficiently technologically difficult so that it cannot be replicated, uh, and also only in a market that's small enough not to attract uh, 
government attention in the form of subsidies, grants, and obstacles to to foreign entry. Um, I've had some have some scars from companies that have focused on China. Uh, uh, you know, big mainstream markets. Forget it. Mm-hmm. Even if I let you in the beginning, it's it's really just to feed the market. Ultimately, they'll never let a large foreign company. Uh, or rather, they never let a foreign company create a large market in China. It's just there's no evidence that that's ever happened. But I think Israel has a unique kind of match with its technology in certain areas where it's really important to certain Chinese companies and customers, but not important enough that they want to focus all their attention on it. So I do see an area, but I don't, I don't think it's the future of Israeli high tech. I still think that we are largely a U.S. The biggest companies, the biggest stories are going to come from startups that are focused on the U.S. and maybe Western Europe. Yeah, there was a book in the 70s by uh, William O. Douglas. He was a Supreme Court justice who came from Washington State, and the name of his book was uh, Look East, Young Man, (laughs) meaning that his future would be in the East in Washington, D.C. and New York. Obviously, you're saying for Israeli companies, keep looking West. Uh, You know, I honestly have kind of an investment policy that says I, I don't want to invest in any company that's competing with Chinese companies. Now, that does not mean going into the Chinese market. It's a little bit different. But I've found that we don't do well. In fact, nobody does well competing against Chinese companies. So you want to, you want to stay away. Now, this, this is still fine because in, the, in reality, most Chinese companies are you're competing with them usually only in hardware-centric areas where there's little differentiation and it's hard to maintain kind of value over time. Uh, but it's worked well for me following that principle. There may be an exception here and there, but I, that's my general rule. All right, very interesting input on that subject. So if we're looking west, so that, that follows into my next question. Last week I, I was happened to be in Ireland at a conference and uh, heard, a, heard a lot of speakers, and, and despite their internal economic problems, they seem increasingly hungry for high-tech companies to establish themselves there. Do, do you see that, uh, do you think in terms of maybe you're aware of some of the incentives that Ireland offers, do you think Israel is offering enough to startups to, to be based here, to stay here, to grow here? Um, you know, there's a short-term view, kind of way of looking at that in the long term. I, I don't think we need, 